Good morning and welcome. I have my microphone now. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Craig. I'm senior pastor here, and it is our privilege. Can y'all hear me? I don't, am I on? This is yes, this is no. We got a thumbs up. Okay, we'll take it as a yes. Okay. Uh, my name is Craig. I'm senior pastor, and it's a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much for being with us today and taking time out of your weekend to join us for worship. I have been gone for two weeks which was great. I took a week off and worshiped somewhere else, and then I left and ran across the ocean to Latvia and spent a week over there with some missionary friends of ours from our church body uh, who were um, working with churches there and uh, spent some time with um, Greg Galupi, one of our deacons and life group leaders, training pastors. And so I am back and happy to be here with you. So I've been two weeks out of the pulpit. I've got two weeks saved up, so we should be pretty excited. No? All right. Next, uh, let me give you a few things. Next Sunday, we do have Next Steps class next Sunday afternoon. If you've been visiting with us once or a hundred times, we'd love to have you with us next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. If you're just curious, interested to know what uh, it looks like to uh, be a member of Malvern Hill, or maybe you just have questions about taking those next steps, I'd love to have you. I'll meet with you uh, next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock, so put that on your calendar. The next thing I want to mention, and this will be repeated over and over and over again through the course of the year. Uh, this year, our big uh, emphasis that you're going to see regularly is an emphasis on Scripture memory. Uh, we recognize the importance and the necessity of knowing the Word of God, of memorizing the Word of God. And so um, we're going to talk a lot about that uh, over the course of the next year. I'll, I'll weave some of that into the sermon this morning, but I just want you to be aware of that uh, as an emphasis. You'll see that in the bulletin each week, and then we're going to kind of give you guys some resources, hopefully to help you to memorize Scripture. Our, we usually have a Scripture memory verse that's sort of attached into your uh, study guide, but it's going to be a little different this year. We're going to be a little more intentional about sort of a systematic approach to the kinds of Scripture verses that you'll be memorizing, and you'll be hearing more about that as the year progresses. All right, having said all that, and me being so happy to have you here, Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. No, Matthew chapter 1. That's not right either. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. My notes are wrong up here. Matthew chapter 4. So if you can't find it, just go to the New Testament. And Matthew's the very first book in the New Testament. And if you don't know what the New Testament is, that's okay. This is where you should be, and we're glad that you're here. You can even turn to the very front of your Bible, and there you'll find a table of contents, just like in any other book, and it'll tell you where to find the book of Matthew. But if you kind of turn to the middle of your Bible and keep going, you'll find Matthew. If you make it to Mark or John or Luke, you've gone a little bit too far. Uh, so Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. It's one of what we call the Gospels. Um, they're called the Gospels because they teach us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And all of those books tell similar stories about Jesus from slightly different angles. And this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at the temptation story of Jesus. It's appropriate that we would look at this, um, excuse me, at this passage of Scripture on a Sunday when we would observe baptism... Because Jesus entered into the wilderness to experience his temptation uh, following his baptism. I've prayed this morning for those four who would be baptized. Because my expectation is that 
when we begin to take steps of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will experience testing and trials, that there will be um, struggle that would come into our life. If this happens to Jesus, we shouldn't be uh, surprised if it happens to us. I like the way that Russell Moore talks about Jesus' temptation experience, the temptation narrative. He says that you could envision that Jesus walked out of the baptistry with wet hair and walked into the wilderness. Imagine, if you would, that Jesus Christ has experienced one of, one of the greatest spiritual highs that any of us would ever know. Jesus himself was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus didn't have to be baptized. Of course, he was the Son of God. But he said to John to fulfill all righteousness. And then on the back side of that, remember, at Jesus' baptism, it wasn't quite like this. The, the, the Spirit of God was present. God spoke from the heavens. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And God said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You've got these incredible things taking place. And in the middle of these incredible things, you have Jesus walking out of the waters of the Jordan River and essentially walking into the temptation in the wilderness. So with that in your mind, I want you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 4. We're just going to read verses 1 through 4. We're not going to read the entire temptation narrative. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Pray with me. Father God, I pray that you would show us how we may depend upon your word, how we may grow in your word, how we may be changed through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This Sunday, I'm kicking off a three-week sermon series. We'll be back in the book of Acts in February, but as the, through the remainder of January, we're going to look at three ways that I hope that we can grow together as a church this year. I want to see us growing through God's Word. We're going to talk about growing through evangelism. And then we're going to talk about growing through stewardship. All three of those things are an important part of what we need to be and who we're going to be about and how we're going to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, we want to talk about growing through God's Word. And the question that I want to wrestle with this morning is this. Do you depend on God's Word or upon God's Word? Is God's Word... A foundation that you find that you need to make it through your daily life. And here in this passage of Scripture, I hope that I can point out four things that you can do to depend upon the Word of God. The first thing this morning, I want you to depend upon the Word of God for direction. Depend upon the Word of God for direction. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now, um, some of you are waiting... (coughs) For the Holy Spirit to give you direction in life. Some of you are sitting around waiting for a supernatural experience. For the Holy Spirit to do something wild. And out of the ordinary. And extraordinary. For God to just sort of supernaturally expose to you the things that he would have you to do. For him to skyrocket. How many of you ever said that? Man, if I could just get a burning bush, everything would be a little easier. If God would just give me a flashing sign that said, Craig, go do this. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And you guys, many of you, want for the Spirit to give you direction. I want you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit leads us through the Word of God. 
The Holy Spirit leads us through the Word of God. Now, in, in this, I, I realized this morning as I was reading through my notes that, that this could either mean that the Holy Spirit like leads us through it, like walking through it like a tunnel. Uh, what, what I mean this morning is not necessarily, though the Holy Spirit does certainly guide us through the Word. What I mean here is that the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to guide us in the directions that He would have us to go. God uses the Word of God to do these things and He leads us through it. Folks, there aren't shortcuts to spiritual growth. There aren't shortcuts to spiritual growth. God grows us in the ordinary and mundane steps of discipline and discipleship. That's not really fancy or exciting. Do you understand that? The ways that God is going to bring about growth in your life is probably not going to attract a lot of attention. Because the primary ways that you're going to grow are in the ordinary, regular, normal Disciplines of the the Christian life. If you want to grow in godliness, let me give you the recipe here. Get get this. You ready? Read your Bible. Show up and experience preaching and worship in, 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 in corporate worship service. Be a part of a life group or another small group where you can study the Word of God together. Listen, those things aren't fancy, but if you will do that on a consistent basis, I'm going to tell you what's going to do. God's going to grow you through that. He's going to increase your God. It's going to make you more like Him. It's not a magic formula. It's just slow, steady progress. <coughs> but I want you to beware. I thought I saw you get that. You're the man. One day I'm going to realize that I need water when I'm preaching. Any of y'all here for the Christmas Day experience? When I had to quit preaching for like 20 minutes just to catch my breath? I've been in Latvia where it is miserable. I just want y'all to know, I haven't seen the sun in a week. And I left home this morning before the sun came up. I still haven't seen it. I hope it's out there. I don't even know that it exists. Because here's what Latvia looks like right now. Gray. Really gray. Like, like black and white gray. Like film noir gray. It's bad, okay? And it is rainy because it's not cold enough to snow. And it's windy because it's forsaken, I suppose. I'm not sure. And then it gets daylight somewhere around about 9 o'clock in the morning. And then it gets dark at like 4 o'clock in the evening. Every night at 9.30, I realized it was only 5 (laughs) o'clock. But in my time there, I taught like 12, 12, 11 or 12 lectures. And I have not coughed one time. Not in a whole week have I coughed. I would blame the airplane. All right. Listen, there's not a magic formula. There's just this slow, steady progress toward godliness. And that's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. We're probably not going to experience this major growth and look up tomorrow and I go from like sinner to, uh, you know, Abraham or something in, in three days. You're not going to suddenly go from sinner to Billy Graham in a week and a half. There's going to be starts and stops along the way, but more than anything, it's just going to be slow, steady progress. And you're going to progress through that as you read God's Word, as you show up and listen to sermons, as you participate in life groups. But it might get crazy. I want you to be aware. I have no idea where this cough is coming from. (coughs) It might get crazy because of this. The Word of God will lead you out of your comfort zone. The Word of God will lead you out of your comfort zone. Jesus wasn't, pay attention, go back and look. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, that Jesus was led up by Satan to be tempted. No, that's not what it says, is it? The Bible says that he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
It was the very Spirit of God that drove Jesus into the place of his testing and his trial. Jesus isn't led into the wilderness by Satan or some sort of personal desire. God sent him into the wilderness. Why? Because God was going to use the wilderness to show us who Jesus was. There was a path for Jesus in the wilderness. Look at what happens. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness showed him to be the better Israel. He was faithful in the same areas where Israel is faithless. Now, if you have your Bible, you maybe have paid attention and noticed by now that in Matthew chapter 4, there's actually three different temptations that Jesus encounters right here in the wilderness. Okay, So the first one we have is in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse <coughs> verse, um, verse 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And he goes on down and says, the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We move on down and it says, he took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, and be gone, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Now, that's, this is an awesome story just as we understand and experience Jesus overcoming the tempter. But there's a greater lesson for us to learn right here. And one thing that the Lord wants us to know through his word in this passage of scripture is that Jesus right here is the better Israel. This is the beginning of the establishment of the new covenant. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, maybe you know there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. And listen, if you don't know anything about the Bible, that's okay. Right? We're glad that you're here regardless of what you know. But let me just tell you, there's two parts to the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament just means covenant, uh, testament. So you got the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. This is why maybe you've been in a, Bible, in a church before. They've observed the Lord's Supper. It's that Jesus said, this is the New Covenant in my blood. This is the New Testament, the New Covenant in my blood. That's what it is. In the Old Covenant, you got the Ten Commandments. you got Mount Sinai. you got the nation of Israel. So you've got the nation of Israel that was delivered out of Egypt. They go on this journey. We read about it in that book of Exodus in your Bible. They go on this journey. They do all kinds of things they shouldn't do. This is the difference. Israel walks out of Egypt and into the wilderness, and they walk into disobedience, into testing, into rebellion. Jesus was delivered out through his baptism. He walks into the wilderness, and he walks into what? Victory and faith and trust. Let me give you the specifics right here. Right there, the first temptation, Jesus is tested with hunger, just as Israel was tested. And see, what happened is Israel was tested, they were hungry, and when they got hungry, they said, well, Moses, did you just bring us out here for us to die? We could have eaten in Egypt, and now we're going to starve to death. Look what you've done to us. <coughs> well, the Bible says that they failed that test. That when they were hungry, they griped, they complained, they grumbled, they, they complained against the Lord. They didn't trust in God to provide. Now look, God in His grace didn't wipe them off the face of the earth, did He? In his grace, God sent them food, manna from heaven and quail that they could eat. But Jesus, when he is hungry in the desert and Satan comes to him and says, turn this stuff into bread, give yourself manna. Jesus said, no, 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 I don't need to do that because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is better than Israel. This is why our works can't save us because Jesus is a covenant of grace. The second thing, the Bible says that Israel was thirsty in the wilderness and they complained at a place called Mar. They complained against the Lord and Moses. They said, we're about to thirst to death. What are you going to do? Can you not provide? Can God not take care of us? But in that moment, the Bible says that God was angry, but God still provided for them. What did he do? He said to Moses, take your stick, 
the one that you use, that staff, the one that you use to, to do all the miracles. I want you to go and you tap the rock. I want you to, to provide water, and water's going to come for my people. But when Jesus found himself in the wilderness and Satan said, would you put the Lord your God to the test? Throw yourself off this mountain. He won't let you die. Jesus, no, no, I'm not going to do that because it is written we don't put the Lord our God to the test. In the third place, the Bible says <coughs> that Israel was alone and impatient. The Bible says that Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he was there, Israel, the nation of Israel, the people, the Hebrew children, they got impatient, they got lonely, they weren't sure what was going to happen next. But what they needed was safety and security. And so while Moses is away, the people play, and what did they do? The Bible says they created a golden calf. And when Moses came back down the mountain, the people had actually begun to worship an idol. They weren't satisfied in God's goodness and patient on God to do what he needed to do or, or in them. They weren't patient, so instead, what did they do? They created an idol and they bowed down before that idol. But the Bible says that Jesus, when Satan said, just bow down before me, you get everything you want. Jesus refused the shortcut, didn't he? He refused the shortcut and he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The Bible says that Jesus is the better, the better Israel. And that's when we get through this passage. In all the places that Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. We can depend upon the word of God for direction because Jesus is the living word of God. And he gives us hope and joy. And in this word, we find the ability to overcome the temptation that we face in our lives. Jesus said repeatedly, it is written, it is written. Why? Because we need to be reminded regularly that these are not merely words. They are the literal words of God. Jesus said it is written so that we can be reminded. It doesn't shift and change. It is permanent. It is eternal. He said to his disciples that all sorts of things might change, but what? Not one jit or tottle, not one iota, not one speck of the law would ever fade away. You can depend upon the word of God for direction. The second thing this morning, you can depend upon the word of God when you desire it the least. <clears throat> Generally, we think about this in the hard days, but it's just true in the good days and the busy days. We need God's word when we desire it the least. When I don't want it, it's when I need it the most. Let me give you this little, little phrase right here. Discipline will carry you beyond your desires. Discipline will carry you beyond your desires. A, a, a lot of folks don't want to think about the Christian life as sort of a discipline issue. You want to think about it as, well, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's what God gives me. And there's certainly all of that, but your discipline will carry you. Let me explain what I mean right here. This is why Bible reading plans and goals are helpful. Anybody? No, we're not going to raise our hand to let us know who's keeping up with their Bible reading plan so far this year and how many of you have fallen behind. Don't do that. But this is why they're helpful. Set yourself a goal, a plan. If you've never done that or if you haven't done it yet this year, listen, don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. Okay? You say, oh, I didn't start, so now I can't. What would be the worst thing, not to start reading your Bible or to start today? Right? right? Just, just start. Start somewhere. Get busy. What about your Bible reading? Maybe you set yourself a goal. Say, I'm going to read the whole New Testament in the next three months. Okay, then get busy. Do the math. Figure out how many, that's 90 days. Figure out how many chapters you got to read a day to get through it. Maybe you say, I want to read the whole Bible in a year. Then get started and finish it next year on January, though, whatever we are, 15th. Maybe you say, I want to read the whole Bible. I'm not sure I can do it in a year, but I, I bet I could do two chapters a day. Then get started. Get busy. Make a plan. Be disciplined. Is it back on? It is? If I have to switch to the prosperity microphone, things get bad. I need to? I don't? Y'all know when this happens. 
Okay. All right. If it cuts out again. What a day. I've been gone for two weeks and the world's falling apart. Um, <laughs> is this what happens when we let you preach? <laughs> I've heard. Listen, I, there, are just, there are days when I don't feel like reading my Bible. It's just the truth. I'm sorry. I, I know that's hard for somebody to hear. It's just true. It's not working. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. I can't. All right. Better turn me down. All right. There are days when I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't. It's just the truth. I, I get up, and, and, and it's not always because I'm having a bad day, right? Sometimes I'm just having a busy day or a good day or a Saturday, and the kids are awake, and you've got to figure out all things. But discipline comes into play. We've got to have the commitment level, the discipline to read my Bible. There are days I don't feel like it, but even when I don't feel like it, if my Bible reading is rooted in discipline instead of desire, then I will consume the Word even when I don't feel like it. We've got to be willing to do that. See, we're trying to grow in godliness. We're trying to fatten ourselves up in godliness. Any of you ever tried to gain weight? It's exciting. I just want you to know that. Like when you're in that spot, I, I don't mean like you just gain weight. I mean you looked around you're like, I want to put on 20 pounds in the next year. Let me explain what has to happen in that moment. You have to eat on a schedule, and you have to eat more than you want to. So basically it's like, I'm full. Now I need to eat another plate of food. That's, that's what it looks like. People don't believe me, but when you're trying to gain weight, it's uncomfortable. I heard somebody explain to me this way. He said, if you're 160 pounds and you want to weigh 200 pounds, then you can't continue to eat like a 160-pound person expect to gain up to 200. You've got to eat as if you weigh 200 or 220 pounds, which is so much fun. Except it isn't always because you're eating on a schedule. You set an alarm on your phone and it reminds you. And every seven hours, or excuse me, every two hours you're eating something. Or you're drinking a protein shake. Or you're, 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 you're eating a boiled egg. You're, doing a, you're not eating necessarily because you desire the food. You're eating because you desire what could come about as a result of you eating the food. So when our Bible reading, our Bible intake, when our spiritual disciplines become that, a discipline, I'm doing it because the clock says it's time to do it. And guess what happens? When I take in God's Word when I don't want it, I begin to gain spiritual weight. I begin to fatten up just a little bit. I begin to, to bulk up. It's bulking season spiritually, and I begin to be able to flex it just a little bit. And you need it so much. You need it so much when the days are good. The Word will sustain you in dark seasons if it's been your God in the brighter seasons. Do you understand that? Like if you want to gain weight, you don't try to do it in the middle of a stomach virus. I mean, you don't. You've got to gain weight when your stomach is functioning properly, when everything's working as it should. And when we're trying to bulk up spiritually, we've got to bulk up spiritually in the good days, in the bright days. It's got to be our, our, our celebration. Before we turn to our next point, I want to remind you of the value of Scripture memorization for hard days. I don't know if you've experienced hard days in your life, but hard days are terrible times to try to memorize Scripture, but they're wonderful times to rely upon the Scripture that's already been hidden in your heart. The Word can only help you in dark days if you have consumed it in the brighter days. 
we went while we were out of town this past week, we went to uh, visit a, a castle. Well, it's Castle Ruins. I'd love to tell you what it's called, but I couldn't pronounce the name. But it's, it's like Setsis or something like that. And, um, but they give you a, a, a lantern when you get there. It's a part of your tour. But it's, it's not like, like a Craig. Like one of our men texted me a picture of his new flashlight yesterday, and I immediately coveted. Um, this was not that. right? It's a candle in a box. And it was actually better because I was so cold and that little candle in the box was the only heat that I had to keep me warm. I, I kind of put my jacket down over it so some of that heat could get inside. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really embarrassing. But we, we walked through these castle ruins and we walked up these spiral staircases in this castle and this was all the light that I had. And, and I'm not lying, this is the truth. They gave me like the reject one and my candle kept getting lower and lower and lower and I was like, I'm fixing to be in the dark. Folks, do you know that I can only have light if I have access to something that provides that for me? You understand? I can only see in the dark if I planned ahead and brought something with me. When you find yourself in the dark days of life, if you don't have that spiritual light that's hidden in your heart, you don't have anything to grab and navigate the darkness, the hardships. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. And the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. It says, do the work of getting into the Word today because the dark days are coming. Some of you showed up today and you're in the middle of your dark days. You say, Craig, hold on. Don't, don't check out on me just yet. We're going to get there in a minute. But if you're not walking in those hard days today, let me just remind you that the dark days are coming. Grab your flashlight. Grab the light and hide it in your heart. Folks, do you know that if it's hidden in my heart, I can't lose it. There may come a day when I don't have this with me. There may come a day when I don't have the internet access and I can't Google the scripture verse I look for. But if it's in my heart, it's there. It's ready. It's ready to be called up. Depend on the word when you desire it the least. So in the good days, in the bad days, discipline yourself to be in the word of God. Discipline yourself to learn and memorize and know the word of God so that you have access to it in the hard days. So depend upon the word of God when you desire it the least. Third this morning, depend on the word to sustain you in dark seasons. Are you in a hard place? <clears throat> like I just said, if you're not right now, you will be at some point. I don't want to be one of those really depressing pastors. Don't you love those guys? Like, you're in three places. You're either in a good place or a bad place or you're fixing to walk into a bad place. Well, hopefully you're not fixing to, you know. Hopefully you're okay for a while. But the reality is at some point we're going to find ourselves in a hard spot. A dark day. I had a young lady speak with me just a few weeks ago about the struggle she's enduring in her life. She chased me down, like literally chased me down. She's depressed, she's anxious, she's nervous, and she's scared. She doesn't have church home, she doesn't have community, she doesn't have family. The first thing I said to her was, what? What did I tell her to turn first? I said, the first thing, let's run to God's Word, because in there we find hope and healing. God's Word is a refuge in dark places. God's Word is a refuge in dark places. Jesus found Himself here. In a dark place in the wilderness. And where did he turn? He turned straight to the word of God. This is where he ran. He's Jesus. The living word of God. You understand? 
if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needs to have access to the Scripture to do battle with Satan, to do battle in the hard days, if Jesus needs it, let me tell you something. You need it worse. You understand? I need it worse. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This is the the, the trust, the refuge, the hiding place that we have in God's Word. But look, it's not just that God's Word is a refuge in dark places. Work with me. You ready for this one? God built the church on His Word so that the church could support you in difficult days. Now see, some of you are sitting out there going, okay, that's what the preacher would say, but that's a stretch. The great thing is we have God's Word to fall back on. You ready? Ephesians 2, 19-21 says this. Short notice. I don't know if our folks can throw that up there on the scripture on the screen in a minute, but if, if not, that's okay. I should have told them ahead of time. But it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You see that? How is it built? On the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What is the apostles and the prophets? This is the word of God, the written word of God. That's what we have access to. He says the church is built upon the foundation of the law and the prophets, and it's got Christ as the chief cornerstone. Jesus himself is the living word of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is this? It's Jesus. Halagos. The Word of God. This is who He is. The church is literally built upon the foundation of the written Word of God with Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, as the chief cornerstone. The church is not a creation of man. Remember, it's Jesus. Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It's Jesus who is building His church. This is what He does. This is who He is. So when we think about what it looks like to depend upon the Word of God to sustain you in dark places, some of you say, but in the middle of my hardest, darkest, most scary moments, I just don't always have it in me to run to God's Word. I don't desire the Word of God. God has given you His church to drive you back back to the word of God the church is to be built upon the word and it is there for your good and for God's glory in other words in the hard days of life you ready don't run from the church you've got to run to the church and church when our brothers and sisters are having the hard days of life And they are tempted to run from the church. Where do we have to be? Running to them. When the world runs out, the church has to run in. The church has to show up. And it's in there. Where do we meet our folks in their hardest days, in their hardest moments? 
We meet them with the word of God. Why? Because, y'all, we don't have access to anything other than God's word that is eternal and hope-filled and life-giving. It's the word of God. I want you to grow with us in the word, but I want you to understand one of the ordinary ways that you're going to grow in the word of God is through the church that Jesus Christ has given us, which is founded upon and based upon the word of God. And he's using that church, this church, and lots of other local churches just like this one to make the word of God known here and around the world. And he's given us the church for our good and for his glory. And in the midst of all these things, the church is being built up. Individuals are being built up. How? As they are fed upon the word of God. Jesus said what? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is what gives us life and hope. And he's building us up spiritual calories over and over and over again. And we need it in the dark seasons. Adam gave several of us. He drags us off to youth camp in the summer, which is horrible. Um, And then he thinks that he makes up for it. He's like, hey, to thank you for all of your... Like seven days on the clock, 24-7. I, I gave, I'm, here's a book that will make up for all of it. Like, man, I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to even breathe right now. And you want me to give me this book. Anyway, he gave us a book. And um, it's, it's, it's a book about a guy that went hunting for, uh, it's, it's about a lot of other things. But the best part was he, he, he went hunting for reindeer. By the way, I saw reindeer in Latvia. In a fence. We're driving by, they're raising reindeer, and I'm screaming to stop the car so I can go see them, and they wouldn't stop. All right, um, it's horrible. So this guy, he goes to Alaska, flies in, you know, gets dropped off with two other guys, and they, they, hunt, uh, they hunt caribou. And, um, and, he, and, he, and he, he says when he shows up at the airport, he's never done this, so he's just a reporter and he's doing this with two sort of professional hunters. And they drop him off at the airport, whoever. And he walks in, he, he introduces himself, and they look at him. And this is the first words that come out of their mouth. They say, you are too skinny. He said, what, what do you mean? He said, you are too skinny. Go get a candy bar right now. And he talks about eating peanut M&Ms in the, in the airport, just trying to add calories. Because there were lean days ahead. They, they were going to spend three weeks on the Alaskan tundra where they were going to hike in with their own food. And they were going to be reduced to eating 1,500 to 2,000 calories a day, but in the cold and extreme weather, they were going to be burning 4,000 calories a day. I don't know if you know what happens when you have a 2,000-calorie deficit, but you lose a lot of weight really quickly. And when you do that on the Alaskan tundra, it can actually be very dangerous. In his preparation for the dark days, he didn't bulk up. And as a result, he put himself in a situation where he could actually be in danger because he was too skinny. He was anemic. Some of y'all are spiritually anemic in the good days, and when the dark days come, you've not bulked up enough. And you find yourself just beaten and battered. And you're not sure how you're going to get through. And folks, the reason is because you've not spent the good days eating, consuming, growing, strengthening. Now, I want to encourage you in the good days to run to the Word of God. Bulk up, get bigger, get stronger, get healthier. So that when the dark days come, you can be sustained. But but, but watch. What if it's too late and you're already in the middle of the dark days? And you're anemic and you're struggling. 
and you've given all you've got, this is part of why God's given us his church. Because even when I don't feel like I can eat another bite, God gives us those to come around us, to sustain us and support us with the word, to bathe us in the word. Depend on God's word to sustain you in dark seasons. And then this morning, finally, depend on God's word to give you life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is life to be found in the word of God. As Moses neared the end of his life, the Deuteronomy chapter 30, he gathered the nation of Israel together and he offered them hope and life. He reminded them of the value and the necessity of the word of God as he invited them to choose life. But he says to them this, beginning in verse 11, For this is the commandment that I command you today. It is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we might hear it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Listen to me. The word is not far off. The word is not far off. If you find yourself already in the middle of that dark day and it's hard and you're not sure what's going to come next, let me just let you know this. The word is right there. It's not far away. He's given it to you. God's offering it. Just reach out and take it. It's not hard to find. He didn't hide it from you. It's not on the other side of the world that you have to go seek it out. You don't have to get in a boat or a plane to go find it. It's literally right there. Just reach out and grab it. It's near You can choose this life. But watch, hold on. It's not just the word that he offers. He's saying to them, choose life. The word of God is life. And Moses says you can choose life. You can choose to obey God's word. You can have it, but you have to choose it. You have to choose it. So this morning, really and truly, it comes down to that as our application. Will you choose life this morning? The way of life. The way of Christ. Somebody visited our church some weeks ago. And I, I, I hope... You, you ever have those things that you hope you never forget? I actually write them in my journal usually so that if I do forget, there's at least a place that I can go back and find them. But I, but I have those things that I hope I never forget sometimes. Just, just statements. that I think sometimes people say something and they don't even realize the power in their words. And this person looked at me and and said, I I showed up at at your church and and it was so wonderful because I found hope. Wow. This lady, she said, I found hope and it was so nice to be in a place where hope was being offered. Do you know that you can choose hope? We baptized four people this morning who've chosen life and hope. Maybe in the middle of hard times in their life, they found hope and joy and peace. I want to warn you that when you choose to follow Christ, it might be uncomfortable. When you choose to obey God's word, it's going to cause you to do things that you just naturally wouldn't choose to do. God's word is going to command of you and expect of you things that you didn't anticipate. The Spirit of the Lord sent Jesus into the wilderness. To be tested and tried and changed. I don't know what God is going to do in your life. I don't know how His Word will compel you to change. But I know this. 
It will lead you into places beyond your comfort zone, but in those places, God will sustain you. He will grow you. He will change you. Here's our takeaways this morning. Many of you who are here today are regularly here. And you showed up here, and I want to remind you of the importance and necessity of depending upon the Word of God. Not just having access to the Word of God. You understand there's a difference between having access to the Word and depending upon the Word. Right? We're good Americans. We eat all the time, so we don't fully understand what it is to depend on food. We just eat because we're bored or because we're tired or whatever. Or because somebody dropped Cheetos off in your office, right? And it's just an excuse to eat them. We, we don't know what it is to literally pray, give us this day our daily bread because we're depending upon it. We talk about depending upon the Word of God. I mean, literally make it a, a thing in your life that you are dependent upon, that you need it. You're craving it. You can't live without it. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you're here, I want to encourage you to depend upon the Word of God. Be disciplined in your consumption of God's Word in such a way that it becomes a part of who you are, that if people cut you open, the Bible just sort of bleeds out. That when you speak, you tend to speak in ways that are Bible words and Bible terms. Not because you're trying to be holier than anybody else, but just because you're reading it so often that it just sort of, it sort of seasons and flavors your speech. But some of you showed up here this morning and you're not, maybe you're not a believer in Jesus. You're not a regular part of Malvern Hill. You don't have a church home at all. Some of you showed up here needing hope. Please don't leave without it. See, the question this morning is, will you surrender to God's Word? As a follower of Jesus, surrendering to God's Word means consuming it more regularly. Depending upon it. Living in it. But if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you showed up here without hope today, Surrendering to the Word of God means this. Believing everything that He says about you, repenting of your sin and turning to Christ for hope. Surrendering to the Word of God means actually agreeing with everything that God says in this Word and giving your life to Him. Surrendering to God's Word means saying, I understand that I can't save myself. I understand that I can't find hope all on my own. I understand that I am in desperate need. Did you show up this morning looking for hope? Don't leave without it. Not too long ago, I had a relationship with somebody, a conversation with somebody, I'm sorry. Actually, Angel and I had a conversation with somebody. said, I don't have anybody I can turn to. I feel like my life is falling apart. And I don't know what to do. If you showed up here this morning, it feels like your life is falling apart and you don't know what to do. Let me give you this word. Jesus Christ died to make you whole. And He rose from the grave 
to assure you that He can do everything He promised. In Him is life and hope and joy. You feel hopeless because maybe your sins have separated you from God and the people you love. Maybe you feel hopeless today because of the sins that have been committed against you even. And you're not sure where to turn. The Bible says that Jesus is the propitiation, the satisfaction, the forgiveness, the full forgiveness for our sins. And He offers us life. The tempter came to Jesus. And He tested Him and He tempted Him and He tried Him. He looked at Jesus in the middle of His hard days and He says, You can turn these stones to bread. Why didn't Jesus turn those stones to bread? He could have. Do you know why? Because he had two priorities in his life. To honor his father and to save his children. Why did Jesus choose the path of godliness? Because you need hope and you need salvation. Because He knew that many of you would have already taken Satan's gamble. Would have already taken the bait. You've already failed. You're already hurt. You already feel hopeless. And He knew that. He wasn't satisfied to leave you there. Jesus was victorious because you wouldn't be. Jesus was victorious because you couldn't be. But his victory can be yours today. This morning as we stand and as we sing, I want to invite you. If you don't have a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ, I would love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to give you somebody that could help you to figure out what it looks like to take that next step. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Craig, I... The truth is, I just showed up here hopeless and broken. And I don't know what to do next. I would love to pray for you. We'd love to find you the help that you need. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to lay it down at the altar before the Lord. Perhaps this morning, the offering that you need to make is one of praise as you sing. A commitment to read God's Word. However it is the Lord may be working in your life, I want you to know this. If you've never depended upon the Word of God yet, if you will surrender today, the Word of God is sufficient for you, even if you've never looked to it before. God loves you that much in that way. Pray with me as we stand. Father God in heaven, I thank you for loving us. Thank you that the Word of God is enough. Pray, Lord God, that you give us hope today. We know, Lord God, that Jesus is enough, that the Word of God brings life. May we find hope this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing with us this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.